Another episode of Biohackers Water Cooler with Fernando, Steven, the Super Connector. And today we have a special guest, Chef Misha. And I'm going to let Steven uh, introduce uh, uh, Chef Misha. Welcome, gentlemen. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you doing, Misha? Fantastic. Fantastic. Doing pretty good. We're on site. We're on location at Atma Church, a really amazing plant medicine church in Austin, Texas. Where last night Misha worked his magic, magic and Chef Misha running the after party for the How Do You Health biohacking event that was held at Music Hill Ranch. So we had a ton of people here at the church. Misha cooked up an amazing meal, and that's kind of what he does. Misha's got an incredible story of overcoming addictions with food and other things by Learning to cope with that by cooking healthy food and teaching other people how to eat healthy as well, no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what their primary way of eating is. And uh, there's lots more to that. And we'll let Misha kind of give a little more of his background and then we'll kind of dive into our topic and we'll have some fun. Thank you for having me, Stephen. Thank you, guys. And Fernando, um, I guess, you know, just to say, you know, hello, everybody. Uh, my name is uh, Chef Misha Hyman. I run a company called The Health Warrior Project. Um, my, my, per, my mission and my kind of purpose on this planet is to teach people that you can eat whole, real food and have it be delicious, affordable. Um, it can actually not just be good for you, but good for the planet. You know, it can help reverse your mental illness, chronic disease, lower inflammation, which we know is the root of all, you know, chronic disease and mental illness, you know, in our, in our, in the Western world and also across the globe. Um, so I, you know, I am a chef, but I also, you know, I'm my kind of real mission in life is to, use my chef hat to kind of use these, you know, let's just say defunct farms or pieces of land that maybe people think is just, you know, barren wasteland, but really they're, um, they have the ability to all be transformed into food oasises and wellness centers where actually you can use biodynamic farming, regenerative agriculture practices to actually regenerate the land, regenerate the soil, to regenerate our, you know, our microbiomes of our individual community and then regenerate our own community to, you know, heal the next generation. So, no, in a nutshell, I, I believe you can use food, you can use connectivity, you can use, you know, connection to, you know, heal community and also heal the planet and, you know, lowering information, not just, you know, what we put in our body, but also the information you receive, how, you know, how we interact in our world, what products we use, um, you know, whether it's household products or, you know, technology, you know, Stephen has a, you know, EMF sticker on his laptop right here and on his phone. So obviously we're a little more protected than probably everybody else out there to, you know, really, you know, lower inflammation. So we're in the inflammation business and, and that's my job is to deflame you so we can, you know, create, you know, longevity and create sustainability for you and for the planet. And Chef Misha, what's one food that people, when they start eating, uh, learning from you, how to deflame their bodies, what's one food they get most surprised to learn that uh, leads to inflammation? Leads to, you say they remove it or they add it into their body? Sorry. That, the like, we, which foods uh, that you've noticed when people start learning from you, they realize they, that, that those foods um, cause inflammation and they had no idea. Oh, so yeah. which foods yeah. are not so obvious to most people that have uh, come to uh, learn from you? Yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, everyone kind of gets, you know, the whole, I wouldn't say everyone. People who are in the know would say, kind of understand that gluten you know, uh, grains, a lot of, you know, oats, wheats, um, kind of cause a lot of inflammation, bread, you know, oatmeal, all that, all that fun stuff. Um, but it's not just, you know, 
that it's also sugar, right? I think a lot of people are really, you know, uninformed of how toxic sugar is for our bodies, how toxic it, toxic it is for our brains, um, how addictive sugar is. Sugar is eight times more addictive than cocaine, right? So if you get a hit of cocaine, you know, it's, you're eight times more likely to get another hit of sugar if you did a sugar line than cocaine. So think about that, right? We're literally addicted to that dopamine rush, that dopamine hit, and, and we're constantly going to those the grocery store. And, you know, Steve and I just came back from HEB, which is a, you know, the pretty regular grocery store or pretty, you know, uh, common grocery store in Austin, Texas or in Texas. But every aisle, there's junk food, processed food, candy, and checkout line, candy everywhere. And, you know, for us, we're just going in the, out, in the aisles. When I go grocery shopping, I'm always saying, just go in the aisles. I'm going to start on the outside. Don't go in the aisles. Go where there's fish, the, gros- the, the vegetables, and meat, and kind of like get your spices and then roll out. Um, so I think really, you know, the grocery store is packed with anti, with anti, with anti-inflammatory foods in the vegetable aisle, but everywhere else is really packed with high inflammatory foods. So, you know, obviously the processed grains, processed sugars, but, you know, refined flours, refined, um, you know, anything refined, anything ultra processed is super inflammatory. So I think my clients don't really have a, when they come in, have a full grasp of, you know, what in their own kitchen, it in their own kitchen, in their own cabinet can actually cause to, you know, stress to their hormones, stress to their nervous system. Um, so I go into their cabinets and actually have to redo their whole, you know, um, you know, kitchen cabinet and take everything out that's toxic, put everything in that's, you know, um, you know, super healthy and nutrient dense, like the healthy spices versus the toxic, um, you know, sugars. And, you know, basically one, one thing that uh, I think people are really don't know is salt, right? So, a lot of like Morton's table salt and these terrible salts, iodized salts. These are one of the worst things for you and can create a lot of, you know, sickness in our bodies. So just like changing your salt, right? Having Himalayan sea salt or Celtic sea salt or Malden's kosher salt with the, the thick flakes makes a huge difference. So that's just, you know, one thing. I said a few things, but that's one thing that um, people really, you know, are shocked by with the salt intake. And one more note on that. I have clients who are saying, oh, I'm iodine deficient. So we need the iodized salt, like the kosher uh, Morton's iodized salt. So for those who don't know, the I like salt, you know, it has like, you know, 34 trace minerals. If it's like Celtic sea salt, Himalayan sea salt has 84 trace minerals. But Morton's, like Morton's table salt has two trace minerals, sodium and iodine, right? So it's not enriched with iodine. It's just not stripped with iodine. So if you need iodine, don't have uh, that salt. Have you know, iodine supplements and then have a regular salt, full spectrum salt. Yeah. Steven, I, I saw your eyes open up when he, was, he talked about salt because you're the one that told me like a month or two ago that you learned something new about salt. Remember that? Yeah, we were doing about Celtic sea salt because we had a huge discussion at Har Hari's after party oh, yeah, yeah. with Victor Sagalowski and he went deep into the salt world because he's Salt's very serious. Yeah. We talked about Celtic sea salt, but the other reason why my eyes went like that is I have a family member who has no salt in the household because he thinks all salt is bad. Yeah. Processed salt is really bad. Salt is not processed food. Can you hear me? Yeah, I just I had just clicked on my live on my mobile and then uh, oh, yeah, okay. go ahead, keep going, please. So salt in processed foods horrible. Salt from good sources is great. And the one of the top uh, sources on that to learn a little more about salt, if you want to plug it, is Dr. Stephen Finney, Stephen with a PH who has tons and tons of studies showing that your mortality, I mean, your, your rate of, you know, chances of death go increase if you're having less than three grams of salt per day. Three grams of salt is quite a bit spread throughout the day in all your food. 
So you do want to have healthy salt in your food. You can even put healthy salt in your water to help you retain the water, the, the healthy water, but you want to source good water. So one of the things I really appreciate about Misha is he's like you, Fernando, has an incredible personality, has fun with every, everything that he does. And he shows people how to, how to have fun with this stuff, not make it laborious or a pain in the ass. And that's kind of what I, I'm hoping our topic will be to, tonight is, is talking about how to get through the holidays, eating healthier. If you've got certain addictions, how to balance that, how to structure your, your, your stuff um, and not go sideways or fall off the rails and also not cause so much stress that you get more damage from the stress than you would have from eating some bad food. That's very important. Yeah. So Misha's lived this stuff. He's not only talking from somebody that has credibility and knowledge, but he's lived through his battles with all of this stuff um, through his life. And so he's like one of the greatest guys to, to teach something like this because he's not coming from some superior vantage point. He's coming from a vantage point where he can relate and empathize with everybody that's having these struggles. So um, anyway, so Misha, I'll let you take it from there. And Fernando, if you kind of want to ask some questions. Yes, totally. So Misha, after you come... Yeah, totally. Uh, so Misha, after you come into people's homes and you uh, have them open their their cupboards and start putting everything in trash bags, you know, are there tears of, you know, are they crying? You know, are they saying, no, please, you know, give me that piece of chocolate. I want it. You know, what, what is it like? Or are they just like, tell me what to do. I'll do anything. I just want to be healthy. How is it like? What is it like? Yeah. So typically clients who hire me, they're, they're like the last Wits at the wits end, their last resort, I'm the last resort to come in before they hire like a really expensive doctor to, you know, or the, they've hired a doctor and the doctor can't translate what they've, you know, taught in the functional medicine kind of structure into like what goes on their plate, right? So a lot of doctors can't cook, a lot of cooks don't know how to cook healthy. That's kind of what I do is I kind of bring the, the two together of how to, from white coat to white apron, as I like to say. So the parents from usually white don't coat to what? To white coat to white apron. So like wow. white coat, doctor's coat, white apron, the, the chef. So the parents usually don't mind or one of the parents who hired me doesn't mind, but it's the other parent who is like not into it or the kids, it's usually someone who's like very resistant. Um, and if you have a whole family household and everyone's kind of, you know, overweight or have dealing with uh, similar health issues, it's, it's basically really hard to get everyone on the same page unless you do it together, right? Uh, individually, they can't, you can't really kind of steer a ship if everyone's, you know, paddling their own, um, their own direction. So yes, there is resistance usually, but it takes for me, you know, about like if I'm with them, usually the client hires me, I'll stay for a weekend and totally revamp where I'll just come in and do their cupboards. I'll do a few meals for them. So the kids and everyone can kind of taste the real food. So, so my whole thing is cooking real whole food, very simple ingredients, very basic, you know, spices, but a lot of, by basic, I mean, not like super processed foods, but like just, and I use a lot of cumin seed, mustard seed, a lot of Ayurvedic uh, seasonings. Um, anything at your local grocery store, you pretty much can get it. Um, a lot of curry powders, turmeric, you know, a lot of things to kind of lower inflammation. But once they kind of can taste the food, feel the food, they actually will feel themselves. Um, like I've actually had a client the day before Thanksgiving. I They hired me for it to do with Thanksgiving. I did a big prep lunch and he was swimming for, you know, about like an hour and a half, two hours. 65-year-old guy, super, you know relatively healthy on the functional medicine program knows some doctors I work with on the program. It doesn't always eat healthy, right. It has a little bit of a gut. I just made him like some, you know, plate of veggies and a cut, you know, one piece of, you know, one piece of chicken or something. 
and he's eating it. And it was, to me, it was like the most basic thing. I just sauteed it together. A lot of stuff the next morning, just put it in one pan. And he's like, Oh, I feel my brain like creating new neurons. Like I feel my body rejuvenating within like minutes of eating vegetables because he always eats like, you know, a burger or fries. So when, when you see that and you feel that it's easier to kind of buy into what I'm saying. <clears throat> and I'm not one of these, you know, vegan chefs or health focused chefs who are just, you know, boiled, boiled chicken, boiled broccoli, brown rice. Like that's not what we do. Right. So I'm all about eating the rainbow full spectrum vegetables. Like we had what 14 dishes the other night, two of them were meat, the rest of them were vegetables. Right. So it's all about variety, all about eating, you know, and incredibly flavorful, like, very far from bland food, incredibly flavorful. He cooked for about 30, 35 people all by himself, tons of dishes without breaking a sweat. That's even a show to watch me if Misha perform and do what he does. But we have really, really, really B-roll. Cool. We have them B-roll with Steven in yeah. it also, so he'll be in it. <laughs> but but no, so I think ultimately, sorry to interrupt you, but no, ultimately it's it's the experience of coming in there, going in the cupboards. Should there might be some there might be some resistance, but once they try the food and they, they see what's happening. Their bodies will respond and their brains will actually respond. So we do these dinner parties and people are up to like two or three in the morning still wanting to engage because they're not crashing. They're not having that food coma. So that's kind of the issue with a lot of my parties is the host will be like, hey, we got to shut down. Everyone's, you know, I got to like, you know, go to bed. But like everyone's like three in the morning. Everyone's still like ch chirping for energy, biohacking. So my whole mission is like to trick people, to trick adults to eat their vegetables, right? And just by having a fun dinner. Um, so I have like these big dinner parties and at the end we'll be like, Hey, I just tricked 85 adults to have all your recommended daily intake of vitamins in one meal. And they're like, okay, great. I, I, I'll buy it. Um, but no, the kids, sometimes they're resistant, but once they try the food, they get it. And then also it's, a, it also is an education thing, right? So it's not so much a lack of access for, for these, uh, even low income communities, right? It's not so much lack of access to how to eat real healthy food it's lack of education. Uh, and I think for me, that's the biggest point is we have to educate, you know, schools, you know, you know, prisons, you know, elementary schools, you know, boys and girls clubs, nonprofits, churches, just these basic principles. Right. And, and go in and have a you know community dinner once a week. And, you know, that's kind of my whole mission is I train chefs all around the country to, you know, do like right now I have a chef doing a Monday night dinner at a music studio in L.A., under my kind of umbrella that I'm not there, but she's you know, feeding the community in Inglewood, like in the downtown um, area in this big music. It's, it's actually near Snoop Dogg's uh, studio. So it's like a really interesting uh, area uh, where we can feed this community with music and with, if you're, you're in San Diego, I gotta have you get out there in maybe the next few weeks. If you're into music at all, it's an amazing tiny room studios, LA, Greg uh, Spiro, check them out. Amazing, amazing studio. Every Monday we do a jam session, but basically teaching people how to eat whole real food. So it's it seems like basic, very basic, but like no one, like we're in Austin, right? There was no healthy restaurant anywhere. We're like in one of these healthy pop-up places, uh, you know, in America, and there's nowhere to really get a real nice healthy meal. So if your homes can become the best restaurant, it can just save our planet, save our wallet, save our health, save our mental health, save our families. Mm -hmm. yeah, one of the challenges of going out to eat, even if you do find what you think is a healthy restaurant, is they're usually not 100%, but very high majority of restaurants are cooking with vegetable oils or cold vegetable oils. They're really just. Oh, I would say most. Most, I would say 85 to 90% of restaurants are not using olive oil. And if they're using olive oil, it's like 
all the little pressed with plastics and crap like Kirkland Olive Oil. And you're very rarely finding a restaurant, even in New York where I live, you're not seeing restaurants unless the owner or the you know the chef is like really, you know, does not care about the margins. They're always cutting corners. And I think that's important for us to know about, especially on these these young millennials always want to go out and go to these healthy vegan restaurants. A lot of the stuff in there is not healthy ingredients. And you know, that's that's kind of my mission is to educate people on how to change that a little bit. And those, or even so, my, my point was, even if you're eating what you think could be healthy food, if you're cooking with, with harsh oils, those are one of those inflammatory things you can put in your body. So you could do all this work to get what you think is healthy food, and you're just tanking it with, with the oils. Yeah, it creates oxidative stress, it creates cancers. It's like totally a downstream effect of total poison. Absolutely. So, so what I wanted to get into is, you know, we've had Thanksgiving, you know, we're going back into the holidays, you know, other type of holiday meals now, and people are, have already kind of had their first go around with Thanksgiving. We're going into some other dinner parties and things like that. So Misha, what are some recommendations you have for people to kind of dial things in to keep them on track? Maybe not eat the healthiest they've eaten in their lives going through the holidays, but all, but not fall off Santa's sleigh. Yeah. So yeah. you made a, you made a few mentions earlier about my past with addiction and food eating addictions and also um, the stress on your body with, with terms of like kind of be, Know, super strict in these times and orthorexic or orthorexia is almost worse which orthorexia if you don't know what it is is if you're almost too strict with like a certain diet you have to basically do what to eat and some person's like oh is there gluten in that okay i'm not going to have it and it stresses not just them out everyone else out their entire nervous system totally stressed out and their body actually will get more sick even if they have healthy ingredients by that stress um so that's important but i, I do want to just say that um you know, my background is as a chef, I actually had a really quickly, I had a girlfriend in college who was a chubby chaser. You know what that, that term is? A chubby chaser? No. What's that? A, ch <laughs> a chubby chaser. Everyone can urban dictionary really quickly, but if they don't <laughs> believe me, I'll wait. Okay. Chubby chaser basically is a term. Uh, it's a real term. It's about, a, about someone who likes their partner uh, heavier. Right. So it's a psychological trait where you want your partner to like be super overweight so they can't leave you if they ever, you know, want to whatever. There's a lot of psychology. Oh my in that gosh. Way. That's a, I, I, I have a friend. Go, Google it right now. <laughs> Urban dictionary. It's a really, no, no, it's yeah. Fun. Oh my God. I think uh, Steven and I have a, a mutual friend that I think that happened that they called. Say their name on the podcast. I'm kidding. <laughs> so, so, so I had a girlfriend when I was 22. So my whole life, my father was like a, functional medicine doctor, grew up super macrobiotic, crunchy granola before that was a thing. And I, I never grew up with processed food in the house. So that's how I kind of know how to cook real whole food is I had to actually, at a young age, if I wanted to eat, my family wasn't home, I had to actually make a meal, right? Make brown rice, make you know chicken, grilled chicken, whatever. Uh, make veggies, go to the garden. Um, so when I went to college, I kind of went free for a minute. So I had a girlfriend that you know was a chubby chaser and I was warned <laughs> By a few of my friends at a previous boyfriend, they both gained like 80 pounds and 50 pounds. But I was always like had a super issue and eating disorder and uh, kind of binge eating issues and body dysmorphia stuff. So the first time I had a partner, I was like, oh, I like when you are full after dinner. And I like how your belly is full. Like, I was like, okay, that's weird. But started dating her. And uh, seven months later, I gained 127 pounds. I'm sorry, nine months later, I gained 127 pounds. Damn. So... So I was 208, and then I ended up being like 300, like like 31 pounds or something crazy. And oh. then I was like, "Wow, let's change this." 
So I basically went kind of keto before keto was a thing. Um, and I went did like bone broth before bone broth was a thing. So I was doing like Vietnamese pho, big bowls of broth with no noodles and like extra veggies and extra like meat and whatever. And we just eat that every day, once a day, intermittent fast. And, you know, stuck to the keto and lost 125 pounds in seven months. So since what? I've been doing that, yeah, since I've been doing that, this is a little side story. We'll get into that another story later, but to answer your question about the holidays. So since then, my kind of mission is to help people with disordered eating issues, help people with any food sensitivity stuff to kind of figure the, the, the holidays out, especially, you know, during, you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, you know, not just, you know, you guys live in, you live in San Diego, you live in Florida, but, you know, in the Northeast where I'm from, it's like comfort food season for a lot of people, right? So it gets started at four o'clock, they can start eating, they have din like three dinners before 10 o'clock at night, right? <laughs> so what I would do, uh, and I'd say, especially for the holidays, A, like the first thing you got to do is make sure your nervous system and your brain and your breath is constant and your brain is, is leveled and your nervous system is calm. So... I would say every, you know, if you have any anxiety, depression, stress stuff, any food stuff, you know, have a gratitude journal in the morning, you know, spend 10 minutes meditating, listen to Joe Dispenza, do whatever you got to do, you know, to, to ground yourself. There's a million things you can do to, to meditate, download an app, Budify, you know, there's a million of them, right? Um, but then when in terms of the food, really just like, if you can, think about it as if you, during the, for me at least, right? What I, let's just say what I do, right? I intermittent fast a lot during the holidays, right? So let's just say I, I know I'm going to have a couple big meals. I'm like during, during the week, I'm not going to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner on those days because for me, I know I can't process, I can't function at my highest ability. Like I'm going to be brain, I'm going to have brain fog from one of these dinners. I'm not going to go to network. I'm going to take a nap. So one, if you can kind of limit your, your intermittent, you can intermittent fast during the holidays. That's a really good tip. Also like hydrate, a lot of hydration. So a lot of people overeat when they are dehydrated. So if you hydrate a lot, it also will kind of fill your stomach. And the third thing is, um, like, you know, don't, again, don't put a negative energy on the food you're eating, right? So if you're having, like, like today, me and, me and Stephen had uh, briskets, and we were in Tex Brisket and mac and cheese, and, like, I knew it wasn't a great meal. I feel a little, you know, feel a little guilty over it, but but it just, it, it was, like, the moment where I had to have that. You know, this the one time this, this week, I'll, this one month, I'll have, you know, a big barbecue in Texas. Why not? No big deal. I wouldn't do it every day, but if I was stressed about it, I would probably have a stomach ache. I probably would have brain fog right now. I probably wouldn't feel great, but no, I know it was like, a, it was like a treat. So I think during the holidays, don't put so much pressure on yourself. And if you can meditate and you can eat one meal a day and you can hydrate, no big deal, right? You'll be fine. But if you're catching yourself kind of getting off the deep end, you know, try to do some movement, try to do a little bit of yoga, light stretching, because it's very hard to do yoga when you're full. Very hard, right? So if you can kind of catch yourself, if you can catch yourself, like do yoga, like every time you get kind of full, do some stretches, ground yourself. That to me always really helps. Just my own body when I'm overeating, just like okay, can I touch my toes? This feels really uncomfortable. Can I do a squat pose? Okay, I definitely not going to eat breakfast tomorrow because I'm full. So that that's kind of one of my things to do, and also, um, like avoid like the. It could just avoid the processed grains and the processed sugars if you can, but if not, like you know, limit it to like twice a week, three times a week during the holidays, you'll be fine. And so, if you can sauna, if you can sauna, get a Therasage, an infrared sauna between meals, that's the best thing you can do. 
Good call. I have a question for you because not all of our listeners know what intermittent fasting is. So okay, can yeah. you give a really quick definition of what your version of intermittent fasting is and really quickly what the benefits are? Yeah. So, so intermittent fasting, you know, you can also you can, um, combine it with, with going on a ketogenic diet and being on ketosis, which kind of makes it a little hyper, you know, kind of hyper, um, hyperizes it both and makes it really, um, they both compound each other and make it a great, uh, you know, teamwork together. But I think, um, for those who don't know, intermittent fasting is just basically eating. You have only like a four or six hour window where you eat during the day. Um, and the ketosis, your body's only in ketosis eight hours a day. So that means your body's running on, um, fuel that's not based off um, of glucose, but based on ketones, which is fat. So it's not sugar, it's fat. So the ketogenic diet means you're running on fat versus sugar. So we want basically that fasting window when you're not in ketosis to match up with your intermittent fasting window, where your body can actually run on fuel that's not sugar, it's just actually your body's ketones fueling you up. That made sense. It kind of maybe was all over the place. But so so in that expands just a little bit, what you would so typically in a ketogenic, I mean on an intermittent fast, and you could also call it um, intermittent feeding instead of intermittent fasting, that'd be mm-hmm. the positive side of it. Oh, I like so that. Your fast, oh, I like that. So it means your 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 feeding window, you said six hours, let's say. So you may want to eat, start eating maybe at two o'clock in the afternoon and eat till eight PM or one o'clock in the afternoon, eat till seven. And that's it. That's your window to eat. When you don't eat any more than that window, your body goes into what's called autophagy and ketosis. And it's just a really healthy way for your body to start burning away its own fat because it's living on your on the fat and the visceral fat that it can't normally get rid of instead of the glucose which would just keep you storing fat the normal way that you do. So in the holidays, that's a really great strategy to do a little bit of intermittent fasting at least a couple of days a week to throw yourself into ketosis and burn off fat a little better and also keep you from gorging and eating a lot because your, your feeding window is a lot smaller. You're a lot less likely to, you know, gorge on food if you do that. So yeah. that's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, the, my, and the way that I hear that is just skip, uh, just eat once a day or eat, eat a big uh, dinner for me. At least I've been doing that for a few months now where I'll have a bulletproof coffee in at noon or 2 p.m. And then dinner, I'll eat a lot. And so, and then I won't eat until 24 hours later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people might find that uh, interesting, at least for the ones that are busy. Uh, or have a lot to do because then it's less time preparing, less time eating. And there's something that happens during the day when the mindset is set to looking forward to eating at night. So it's it's something that's it's like a 24-hour prep for the mindset to know that I'm going to have an amazing energy level throughout the day and I'm going to reward myself with a feast. Uh it might work for some. It has work, been working for me. Um, but yeah, that's how I I do my intermittent fast uh, or feeding. Yeah, and I'll eat twice twice a day, but it's still in that window. You know, only maybe 1 o'clock and then 6 or 7 o'clock. Um, and when you have a bulletproof coffee, you can, still, you can do that in the morning. It's really, you call that a modified intermittent fast, but the body doesn't really recognize the coffee if you're putting butter in it, you know, as – as typical food because it's so low, there is virtually no sugar in it. So you can kind of get by with that. If somebody needs a little boost with the coffee in the morning, they can still do that. And it won't destruct the intermittent fast. Huge agree. It's not a true intermittent fast. 
but it can work for people who want to start that way or, or yeah it's not it's not yeah it's not true but it actually like it's my opinion if you're want to get into intermittent fasting that's the best way have the bulletproof coffee mct oil grass-fed butter does that have you actually have a little extra fuel throughout the day but i think you know if you ever want to do intermittent fasting it, like my whenever i feel the most sharp is on a uh, 72 hour fast it's like a three-day fast and i'm like laser for like the next 10 days like you, you know and honestly it, yeah and it's and i have no food cravings until maybe the third day if it's like Misha, i i was supposed to start one after friendsgiving thanksgiving uh three-day one would you like to to start and i already have a group of 10 people that did two months ago and and we 100%. did it 10 people Hundred percent, and we had a group going, and so we would text once a day, sharing like silly jokes or oh, I'm dreaming of a steak right now. It was day two, or just encouraging <laughs> words or, or or fun things. Knowing and knowing that I was doing it with ten other people was amazing. So if you if you guys like, well, that's, we can, that's we can do. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. So I want to just mention that. So if you're more likely to be sick and unhealthy if your friends are are unhealthy than if your parents are unhealthy right so you are kind of your community right so you want to do that it's really hard to get healthy in the community it's really hard it's really hard to get healthy alone it's much easier to get healthy in a community right and i think you know having a you know whether it's 10 people on a text thread having accountability accountability buddy whatever you need to to kind of have that camaraderie or have that accountability is so important especially during the holidays if you're really you know, want to be focused on your diet, diet and your health, um, but also just overall, just really actually having a team, a support system, not doing it alone because, you know, we're all entrepreneurs, you know, not all of us, but most of us in our network are entrepreneurs and it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's a lonely world out there. And I think if you do it together and have these things where it's like a, a meetup or it's a, you know, not like some people go to AA meetings, why don't we do an intermittent fasting thread or have a, you know, intermittent fasting meetup or whatever. I think that's, you know, phenomenal. I think we have to do more of that as a community, a global community, and a wellness community as well. And and Chef Misha, what would you say would be what what would you say is the relationship between how a person feeds himself or herself and say spiritual health, mental health, emotional health, physical health, as, as it pertains to self love and um, and and here's where the question is coming from. Um, Lately, I've been getting this from meditation that I'm supposed to be eating with my eyes closed and chewing a lot slower and just like chill the fuck out, like just mm -hmm. relax. And um, and and in the past when I did that it was amazing. So I started doing that in the last two three days, closing the eyes, take a you know bite, close the eyes, and then uh, so. But back to you, what's you know, you before you became who you've become and helping people heal themselves through food. Um, what do you think is something that people can hear so they can start shifting from how they used to be in relationship to self-love and food and how they what who they want to be and then using food as a way to become the next uh, version of themselves? Well, I think two two points come out there. I think one thing I think is really in, uh, important to point out is a lot of people don't see food as fuel and as nutrients. They see food as like, I got to eat to get to the next thing. I got to eat because I'm hungry. I got to stuff food in my face because I'm hungry. 
But if they kind of start changing how they view food of saying calories in, calories out, but what kind of fuel am I putting in my body? Because that fuel I'm going to put in my body is going to give me that fuel to expand the energy, right? So, you know, Stephen Klein, you know, went to the store, he made a podcast, got spinach, got a green drink, show me your kombucha green drink, you know, marketing, whatever. And he got an avocado, right? And that was his fuel before this, right? For me, my fuel, like if I ate anything before this, I'd be napping. Like I can't ever eat before I'm on. I have to literally be, if I'm working, like this whole weekend I was working, I can only have like one bite a day. If I'm like doing a big event, I can eat nothing until like the next day. It just, my brain can't, it's just like when I'm empty, I'm much much easier and much more clean. Um, So if we think about fuel, I think that's really one interesting way to think about food. So those who, you know, are not spiritual can kind of tap into that level, right? So once you get that down, that food is not just, um, you know, calories in, calories out, but it's fuel information. That's that's important. And the second thing, and I think it's kind of a trick question. What you said if, is, uh, is it like a, what would you say? It's like a spiritual, how do you see their spiritual relationship to themselves with their, you know, yeah, with how self love. Yeah, how they treat themselves. Uh, so, yeah, how nice I think, kind. Yeah. So I think my, my kind of, not like judgment, but like something I kind of judge, I guess, judge people on or, um, or have a, Okay. Yes. I judge people. Okay, I judge people on, um, and you can kind of too, is you can see how people, or at least in my opinion, I, you can really see how someone's inner spirit or inner kind of, you know, mirror, right. Is, is shown by their eating habits. Right. So if someone needs fast food, someone wants convenient food, someone wants quick, you know, food, you know, eating five times a day, snacking food, anxious snacking, like always be aware for the anxious snackers, right? People are just constantly having a sugar hit, right? Those people have the dark, the darkest demons, the ones who are hiding from all this stuff and who are on the, have the worst ayahuasca trips and breakdowns in the mushroom ceremonies. They're all the same people, right? Do an inventory in your life and you'll see they're all the same people. Um, and the people who have kind of the lighted, I mean, I think this is why you're kind of asking this, the people who have the most, the brightest auras, the most connected to their connection to their self, to their self-love, they have that relationship to food, not just as um, calories, but as, you know, spiritual chi, throwing through your body information that's going to, you know, give out, you know, the best input output. So you really can, in my opinion, you really can judge a person's inner kind of clock and inner morals by what they put in their body. Um, you know, for me, someone who's a recovering you know, codependent, uh, a binge eater, uh, you know, recovery from the 300 pound club. Um, I, I only really eat when I'm super anxious, right? So like I'll intermittent fast for three days because I know that one day I'm going to have to deal with that drama. And like, I don't want to, like, it's better than like doing a line of cocaine or going to the strip club or, you know, going on a spending spree, but having like a, you know, a deli sandwich from New York and just passing on my couch hits that dopamine spot and, you know, takes care of me. But, but I, I know I have that in me where it's like, I, I, I only really eat when I'm super stressed or I'm starving because when I'm not stressed, I'm stressed a lot, but when I'm not stressed, I can actually feel my body in homeostasis, feel my body eating the fuel, you know, for my, you know, my ketones or maybe for my fat storage. I don't need that extra fuel, but I think everyone needs to hydrate more. And I think most of us play 90% of, population are dehydrated especially in the west um and i rarely see my friends drink enough water on a daily basis so 
that's that's a big thing of spirituality. Those who are like totally dialed in always have like a big water bottle on them. So I always I always see like those who you know eat slow, real food, and those who hydrate a lot are kind of the most you know spiritually enlightened people in my experience. Cool. Well, I'd like to take this moment to for you to do you have if you have anything the Health Warrior Project you want to talk about or promote or any causes and that kind of thing. I definitely want you to have the platform here to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're telling people where we're telling people where they can find you. Yeah, where absolutely. Going on, where you're going to be speaking, the events. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me events. Okay, so I'm speaking at the um, Biohacking Congress in February. Do we know the date yet? In Austin, I think that's February third, 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 February third to the fifth. Third to the fifth. I'm doing a whole food demo and a private VIP party and a lecture there. Um, and on a panel, so check that out. And I'm also speaking at Dave Asprey's conference, Biohacking Conference, no relation, um, in June in Orlando, and a few more things in between, but we'll get to that another time. Um, but yeah, so my company, The Health Warrior Project, if you guys need any, you know, want to find me, my website, thehealthwarriorproject.com. Uh, you can find me, you can book me for events. I do catering uh, for anything from Two people to you know a thousand people, massive weddings, massive retreats. Um, I also host um, wellness retreats in my property in Oregon. I have this wellness center I'm building uh, where we're hosting up to fifty people per fifty person retreats. So you guys should all come out. We'll do a super connector uh, water cooler retreat, uh, amazing biohacker water cooler retreat. Maybe the next uh, few months make that happen. But in the meantime, just you know check me out on Instagram and follow me and. I'll do my best to invite you to all the parties. Kind of like the one you missed at the Psychedelic Church Atma in Austin, guys. Come on. And if you want to check out some really cool, you know, entheogenic or plant medicine stuff that's going on in Austin, go to www.atma.church and you'll see some amazing things going on here. This is just an incredible facility, 15 minutes south of Austin in this incredible property where there's all kinds of amazing things going on so check that out that's where we had our party last night as i mentioned and uh that's a pretty you know it's a longer segment for us for the water cooler but i had the opportunity you, to have misha here with me so want to do a little deeper dive do you guys have three more minutes yeah you have three more minutes yeah all right i have a question for chef misha okay <clears throat> when it comes to um what do you think can be the impact or, or of when people start cooking at home using not just you know ingredients that are amazing but also using intention to help their relationship meaning if there's you know husband and wife or girlfriend boyfriend or maybe single people that want to call in their life partner and have not thought about becoming an amazing chef or becoming someone that can you know put food together and bless others with their their cooking um, what have you noticed in your parties, many parties that you hosted, that people that took after you start modeling some of the things you do and how their relationships changed? Uh, well, in, in okay. really interesting you say that. Really interesting you say that. So um, just think, just really quick, an exercise. Think about going to one of your friend's houses with kids, if they have kids who can't cook around dinner time. Think about the stress that everyone that, and, and everyone that it goes on, right? What do we order? What are we going to get? What are you going to do? Are you going to cook? Who's going to clean? Who's, it's just it's an extra stress every day, every meal, on every family, unless they know what they're doing. This is like an added stress you don't need. So when you said that, it really is funny. I actually have a few clients that once they started cooking 
every meal at home because they had two of them were obese and had really uh, bad health issues. Um, another couple I had, um, one guy had cancer, the other one woman had uh, uh, diabetes, and they put on the same program together. But when the, the couples go on together, you actually watch not just the relationships get better because they're spending time at the grocery store. They're researching recipes. They're touching vegetables. They're going to the farmer's market, picking out vegetables. They're cooking together. And they're, it's not, it's not so much like, Oh my God, are we going to have like rice and beans and, you know, Ben's, you know, uncle Ben's rice and, you know, grilled chicken. Like, you know, again, for another night, boiled chicken. It's like, we're really having intention with it. So, so I have seen a lot of relationships change. Um, but in terms of like, so one thing I used to do is, um, when I graduated college, all my friends did not know how to cook, right? So, you know, when I was single, you know, I would always you know, save money. I would just cook for my dates. And it would be like, have girls come over, two bottles of wine, spend $30 on groceries for two people, much cheaper than going out to eat, right? So one of my friends was like, you need to start cooking for us and just like our, like my, your networks, like your, your friend group and have like on our dates, just leave really quick and teach us what to do. And it'll look like we're, you know, so that actually I, I trained my friends to cook. So they would actually cook for their girlfriends and they would actually help and, and on these first dates, actually help the relationships and help these guys like lock these girlfriends in because they're just showing their you know, tender, loving selves. Like, hey, I can, you know, massage, you know, kale before I, you know, put in a salad. I can, I know how to like, you know, strain my lettuce. And so it's, it's very interesting you said that because when you're more intimate with your food, you have to be more intimate with your relationships around you. Right. And it's not just your your partner or your your children, but it's everyone around you. Right. You're you have more respect for the for humanity if you actually know how these organisms came to be, um, you know, from seed to table, really. Right. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Chef. Thank you, Chef Misha. Um, I love that. Cool. Steven. Thanks for inviting you, Chef Misha. Thanks for for. You gentlemen showing up and uh, sharing your wisdom. Um, maybe we'll do this some other time. And great, great chat today. Any, anything else to close? I'm going to give you a surprise, Fernando, um, and a bonus. Since you brought up chocolate earlier, I'll challenge you to go find a good sourced dark chocolate that's 85% cacao or more. 85% is a good one. Anything more than that is going to be a little bitter. But go look at that chocolate on the back. Look how much sugar is in that chocolate. And you'll be shocked to see that there's no more than like three or four or five grams in a serving. So it's absolutely healthy. It's a superfood. So you can actually eat that with no guilt. Just be careful. During the eating. holidays. Just, yeah. yeah. Just make sure you don't eat it too late at night because a lot of them contain some caffeine. It might keep you up or, or something. But it's actually really, really good for you. And it's low sugar. Counterintuitive, but that's because people, most people eat milk chocolate or badly sourced chocolate. So surprise. There you go. All right. 85%. I'm in. I'll go get it tomorrow. Dark chocolate for the holidays, everybody. Get your dark chocolate up. Yeah, totally. And and also feed someone else dark chocolate. <laughs> well, I think All that's right, very guys. important, right? Well, that's really a good, good point. So you, you can't just do it for yourself, right? So always, like, think when you feed yourself healthy food, try to bring someone else into your table, bring someone else to your, you know, someone who can't afford a ticket to a party, just... You know, to my one of my parties, I always let them come. Next time you're in my town, bring a friend. Because uh, it's all about feeding community. You can't feed them if you don't give them nutrients in the first place. So thank you for having us. Yeah. 
So, all right, guys. Have a great night. Enjoy. Till next time. You know, have a great night. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Bye you. for now.